now I've lost my, my train of thought. I got so excited. I got so excited. I lost control of my syntax. <laughs> Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. Hello, my name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and on this show, as every week, we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. And listeners, let me kick this off by thanking you all so much if you attended Women in Language Camp, because that was most certainly something interesting about learning another language. What a wonderful, wonderful day we had. Women in Language Camp was a one-day event, an online event, so you can access it from anywhere, organized by Lindsay Williams, my usual co-host, Shannon Kennedy, our long-running language learning study friend, and by me. And it is a sort of spin-off. It was a one-day event, a smaller version, a smaller, more intimate get-together uh, based off the Women in Language conference. So if you missed Women in Language Camp, I can tell you we had a blast. What a day. I have seen people using their three-month planners on Facebook, putting our different lessons into actions. And I've got a few reflections of the day in today's podcast for you. And I can tell you our chat room, oh my God, it was on fire we could barely keep up with all the many messages all the engagement that you guys sent us and it's really really important to thank you for that for some some of our viewers in australia some of our viewers in california i really got up at times of the day that i would consider ungodly you joined us anyway you were right there keeping the energy up and it was fantastic we loved hearing from you and the session you know if you're planning a big interactive session with a Q&A and with live actions that you can take while you are watching those sessions only work if you participate and we had such a great response from everybody you absolutely loved it and it's got me in the mood for women in language prep for next week next week next year in may if you attended women in language camp again thank you so so much now before i go into a short reflection of the sessions that we had and what i took away what i learned from i sort of got a sentence for each i want to give a shout out and say thank you to a very very special company this week's sponsor thank you so much to live lingua for bringing you support for today's episode live lingua just in case you have not listened to a previous episode before has been a long-running sponsor and supporter of the fluent show and their job is really simple they offer immersive online language lessons via skype Bish, Bash, Bosch, and there you go. Their instructors are native speakers. They've got 11 languages available. So there's a good chance your language is in there. The language range includes the sort of classics, French, English, Spanish, German, um, but also Arabic, for example, and Russian. So have a look and see what LiveLingua have got to offer you. They are inviting listeners of this podcast to check out their platform with a bit of a special offer. If you haven't used LiveLingua before, you get a free lesson. And let me tell you, I took a free lesson with them. 
just to see, you know, how does this work? Is it all worthwhile? And I would go back in a flash if I was if I was doing that language at the moment. As you know, my target language is Welsh, but I'm sort of flirting with the Chinese language at the moment. And I may well go back to Live Lingua and take a few lessons with them because they do so much of the scheduling and organizing and, you know, all of the keeping track of what did you do in the last session? What did your teacher comment? What did they suggest? They've just got a dashboard, does it all for you. It's so easy. Now, where can you find all this magic? It's at livelingua.com slash fluent. So whether it's a basic grasp of a language before you take a trip or you are working your way towards full-on fluency, do check out livelingua.com slash fluent. Sign up and there's a free language lesson in it for you. No strings attached. Thank you so much again to Livelingua for supporting the show. So let me get on to women in language camp before I introduce our amazing interviewee this week. So my thoughts, really my main thought, the day that I took away, we had this this extremely active day and there's something that happens at the live events events that we run for women in language that I, I don't see at every live event and I really value and appreciate about our community is that people continuously share such smart and nice comments and this sounds like a platitude but genuinely if you see this chat room just like alive on fire scrolling scrolling through and everything is such nice and thoughtful and open perspective and I think because we've got a because we uh, we had a ticketed event and we've got this sort of forum it's it's kind of a protected space so you actually feel open and to share and you feel like somebody cares so if you haven't tried out an event of of ours before i would like to invite you because i think community really really matters and we're seeing it with women in language every single time now there were three sessions at the camp event like i said the sort of more more intimate sessions, but not the 30, 30 massive sessions onslaught <laughs> of the big conference that's coming. So this was a more chilled out event. Lots of people joining us in their pajamas. I loved it. The first session was from Lindsay Williams, and you heard her talk about it previously. She was talking about finding friends and people to practice your language with everywhere on the internet and how to use internet and the connections that we can make online and the takeaway I really had from that was that Lindsay spoke about how you can clean up your Instagram feed a little bit and how you can manage your Facebook so that what's coming in front of you is is not irrelevant content all the time that distracts you and kind of just you know I'm sure you and I have both I mean I have closed the browser window thinking what did I even want on there (laughs) And that is the distraction engine that that a social media site can be. So instead, she get, she shared tips about how to manage that. And then she also talked about how to, you know, what we previously shared, how not to view your language exchange partner as this tool that will, you know, perform a service for you. That's not that's not what we're here for. And the takeaway I had from that was really that we are accountable and we actively need to take control of our relationships. You can't expect somebody to come and do everything for you. If you're taking a live lesson, live lingua lesson perhaps, then you know you're paying money to somebody and that 
for some certain extent that puts more of the organizing and prepping burden on them but if you're looking for a friend or language exchange partner we've said this often it's bare saying again you are accountable and you play as much of a role and you're as responsible for the relationship as they are that was excellent. Shannon, Shannon, my lovely friend, Shannon Kennedy, shared her session. And that was a topic that, <laughs> how do I say this? Um, it, it, it had me reflecting. Her topic was overcoming shyness. And Shannon, Shannon is, is incredible when she speaks about this. If you ever get the chance to see her speaking about overcoming shyness and overcoming or, or dealing with introversion and the effect it can have on your language learning, uh, do do catch her because she is absolutely amazing. And it had me reflecting on shyness because I felt, for the time that I caught of her talk, like I am the only extrovert in the whole chat room. There were so many people talking about how they feel a little bit uncomfortable, how they feel shy, how they worry what other people will think. And I'm super extroverted. I just love talking to people and that joy kind of takes over. So I really benefited personally from hearing everybody else's stories and everybody else's perspectives. Because when I when I work as a language coach, when I am your your teacher, when I am I am guiding you through this process and you come and want the support I think it's important and equally when you're speaking to other people it's important to bear in mind not everybody's fears are yours and not everybody's confident problem-free areas or everybody's sources of joy are the same sources of joy that you share it was a really great reminder of that and um, a, a, just a fascinating talk to watch and, and for me particularly it was a fascinating chat room to watch now, let me conclude with my own session. I spoke about connecting with people offline, learning languages offline, meetups and how to organize and how to find a meetup. And one takeaway I had from everybody sending everybody off to do a quick, even a really quick online sweep was that we usually think we're sort of the only the only linguist in the village but meetups are so much closer and so much more possible than you think. If you haven't tried this yet, go to Facebook, if you are on Facebook, go to the search bar and just type in your target language and your location. So say you live in, you live in Barcelona, you might want to type something like Welsh Barcelona or Kamraig Barcelona. So that's a bit of an odd target language, but let's go with Russian Barcelona. So you go on there and I tried it with Greek, Greek Canterbury. And then It'll bring up an awful lot of search results. So have a look at the groups, but the groups are global. They might not be as useful. And then have a look at the events tab. And on the left-hand side, set your location and see what comes up. And you may be surprised. And then have a look at the groups that are organizing it. So if there's an event that you can't make it to, um, it, it might be organized by a local university's language society, Russian society, something like that. And with a little bit of searching around, even just on Facebook, I shared over... 10 sources of um, meetups and uh, different places where you can find it. So you, this, I, I can't tell you everything I shared, of course, because it's way, way too much. It was a very intense talk. But even just on Facebook with this little tip, I would love to hear from you what you found if you found something interesting. And we had people, I think, 
Shannon said she found a Russian Orthodox church in her neighborhood she'd never heard of who are doing a Thanksgiving festival. And I think Lindsay was talking about a French Scrabble evening. That Again, things we never knew were out there. Keep looking for them because they are out there. Now, this is enough from me about women in language, except for one final comment, which is that our audience for women in language was predominantly female. And that in the chat room with the few male voices made gave us a really wonderful angle and balance. And I want to be so great. I want to say I'm so grateful to to the men who came and joined. I've had several men email me in, in, in the days leading up to women in language saying, oh, sorry, this email came to me by mistake. Um, it, this isn't for me. And I want to reassure you that women in language is an event designed to celebrate, amplify, and just make the voices more audible of women. So we do have female presenters, but we in every chat room I've seen, we have had male participants and no one has ever said anything bad. In, in, it is the opposite. I find that the men really matter in our audience. So please, if you attended or if you sort of were on the fence, encourage your male friends to come. Give it a go. It's, it's not that expensive. And you might really, really enjoy the presentations. You are so, so, so welcome. And I just wanted to say that again. You can send your hate mail, if you have any, or your praise mail to Kirstin, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, and I will receive it gratefully. Connection is the foundation of a lot of the work we do when we learn a foreign language. For me personally, my desire to connect with other people is significant. Sharing this passion of of language, of communication, makes me want to engage with the passion more myself. And with language learning, there's a direct benefit because it makes us more motivated, it keeps us going, and it gets us through those times when we really feel like we're not making progress, we can't be bothered. If there's somebody else and you're feeling accountable to them or you just feel like they care about how you're progressing, it's worth putting the time into it. Plus, language belongs to all of us, so we all have this innate right interest benefit from talking about it. And matching this theme, I want to introduce to you somebody who's been on the show before, which I'm so, so, so grateful for, and someone I, I could fangirl over forever. It's a, really an, an inspiring figure for me in the language learning community who just keeps giving back to community and, as it turns out, a fellow crazy, 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 not very shy extrovert. And that is Ellen Joven. Ellen Joven is a wonderful language learner, um, running a website called Languages, uh, no, sorry, running a word, website called Words and Worlds of New York. And she is wonderful. And Ellen has got a new project that is, it's absolutely not commercial, but it is just the best ever. And I could not wait to bring her onto the podcast to talk to you about it. Her project is called grammar table and let me just tell you it is what it sounds like you are going to absolutely love what's coming up which is ellen talking about grammar table she is one of the loveliest language learners out there she really puts her heart and soul into sharing the joy and opening up the joy of talking about language with everybody and today you can hear her right here on the show. And she had some amazing stories, <laughs> hilarious. So there's just so, so much good to come. I'm going to shut up and we're going to go on to the interview with Ellen 
Joven. You are absolutely going to love this and I can't wait to hear what you think. Don't forget, if you want to send any feedback or get back to the show, I already told you what my email address is. You can also find The Fluent Show on Twitter and it's at The Fluent Show or on Instagram you can use hashtag The Fluent Show or you can find me Kirsten underscore fluent. That's that. Let's get on to grammar table. Hey, Ellen Joven, you're back on The Fluent Show. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you back and to talk about a really exciting topic. But just in case people don't know who you are, can you introduce yourself or give us a quick intro to who is Alan Joven in the words of, of Alan Joven? Of course. Um, I am a um, professional and recreational word nerd. Um, Pretty much everything I've done in my professional life over the last three decades has revolved around words, grammar, language, writing, teaching, writing, and all that kind of stuff. So I, uh, professionally, as my main um, professional job, I teach communication skills to businesses, nonprofits, and government organizations um, in the United States. I have a language learning project that's been going on for some time now, almost a decade um, called Words and Worlds of New York, where I study different languages, review language learning products, um, and write about the languages, the neighborhoods of New York where those languages are spoken. And then my latest project um, is something called Grammar Table, which I believe we are going to talk more about today. Mm, yeah, let me congratulate you on the, the pun of Grammar Table, because I didn't get it until I got it. And then I went, oh... <laughs> so it, had, it, it wasn't a highly impactful pun, but that's good. That's good. How long did that take you to come up with? Um, it just seemed like a very obvious name to me because, um, well, I think I should probably take a step back and explain what it is. Do you think that would be good? Yeah, well, we definitely. So a grammar table is is a table. It's a, it is a table. Um, grammar table originated this summer. The idea originated this summer. I was sitting in my apartment. Um, I, I think it was a hot day and I was in air condition, you know, sitting next to air conditioning, which I did a lot of this summer. And I thought, wow, it would be really cool if I got a table and put a grammar sign on it and sat out in public and people could come and talk to me about grammar. And so, uh, and so then I, I thought about it a couple more times over the summer. I'm, I'm not, I'm a very heat sensitive person, so I don't do out a lot of, uh, you know, extensive outdoor <laughs> activities in the New York summer heat. But I, I got a couple of, I got a table and I drew a sign one night um, and sent it off to be printed. And then when fall rolled around and it was a little bit cooler, this was actually, I know the exact date. It was, I guess it was the first day of fall. I'm just suddenly realizing that. So that was perfect. September, 20, September 21st, I um, took my table and a stool and my sign and some grammar books. And I went out into the little park near where I live and I set up the sign that said grammar table. And then um, people started coming up and talking to me about grammar. So it worked pretty much as I had hoped when I first thought of it. And I, I, I like, you know, simple, uh, I like simple things. So grammar table was a table with a grammar sign on it. So grammar <laughs> table seems suitable. And then I actually do kind of enjoy grammar tables, which for, for people who don't know are, you know, like tables of conjugations or declensions, you know, of different word forms and, and stuff. I mean, a lot, there are a lot of grammar tables for all kinds of things in language, actually. So mm -hmm. it had that nice double meaning, which pleased me endlessly. 
and um, and that that's how Grammar Table was born. And do you feel that people are as scared of real Grammar Table as they are of a Grammar Table in a book? <laughs> It's funny that you ask that question because here's what I get a lot. So I, I sit out, it's a pretty public place where I sit with a lot of foot traffic. I'm right near a subway exit. So people are going in and out and I try to time my, um, my sitting there so that I get maximum traffic flow and, and you know, and it, when it's, there's some light outside still and that kind of thing. Um, and what I find a lot is that people will pause and they'll look at it. And some people smile and keep going. Some people don't, you know, don't smile and keep going. But there are other people who stop and they look at it and they kind of, they look, they don't want to look at it too hard or at my face because that would be too much of a commitment. You know, eye contact is not, not <laughs> ready for eye contact, but they kind of eye it and they look a little bit perplexed and then they'll stand there. And sometimes I have to, I have to yell across 20 meters. No, that's too far. But you know, like 10 meters. Hi, um, do you want to come visit grammar table? You know, like they won't come near me. It's like I have a, you know, I have, I have a toxic grammar syndrome or something. So there's a little bit of anxiety about coming over. And then sometimes they will come over. Or sometimes people will walk by me. But I see them kind of looking at the sign, they go into the subway station. And then about 20 seconds later, they reemerge. And they come over the table and they say, I just had to come by and ask, what is this? <laughs> so there's some, there's some tentativeness in the approach. Mm -hmm. What does your sign say? Well, it's a very, it's a, it's a fairly elaborate sign. And actually, um, I had some misgivings originally because, you know, I was thinking, oh, okay, I could do like a grammar table sign on fabric with, rhinestones and sequins and really make it, you know, really have it be just kind of like a designer disco grammar table sign. But I'm actually glad about the way that I, I went because I have, aside from it, from in big letters grammar table, I have lots of smaller suggestions for topics around grammar table. So it says things like ask a question, favorite style guides, semicolon phobia, <laughs> um, conjunctive adverb addiction, antecedents, capitalization complaints, question mark, spaces after period. So comma crisis, question mark. So I have, I find sometimes that people who are, who wouldn't, they wouldn't really know what to ask. They sometimes study that for a while and then they'll pick a category. Oh, there's an apostrophes category too. Oh, they'll, they'll, good one. So, well, oh, and I have a grammar myths one. And then I also wrote, any language on there, which I've realized I probably in, in my second iteration need to adjust slightly because sometimes people think that means I'm going to help them with grammar in any language. And I was really, you know, just hoping to have a conversation. I'm trying to encourage conversation about language in general. So if people want to come up and teach me something in a language that I don't know, that would be great. Although I have also dispensed some advice for materials for language learning as well. So that's been nice. Yeah. So this is interesting. You say you want to encourage conversation about language in general. And I'm thinking back to, you know, I'm sort of imagining Ellen like sweating it out in, in your apartment thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I could sit out there and have a little table and people could come to me and ask me grammar questions? I mean, Ellen, who thinks that? Where did that come from? I'm not really sure. It's so good. Well, I, I'm happy to 
to hear this enthusiasm from you. Thank you very much for that. Um, honestly, it was a very um, subtle moment for me. And then I thought, I, I really, I thought about it just quietly, a little tiny bit um, off and on over the weeks after that. But now that I'm doing it, it seems like the most perfect idea for me personally, just for all the things that I love, the most perfect idea that I, I've ever um, thought up for myself because it just because it combines every single thing that I love in one experience. I love talking to strangers. You know, mm-hmm. I already do that all the time. So now I have a formal, you know, a formal, <laughs> well, I, formal might not be quite the, the right word. Although I have dressed up in fancy attire a couple of times to kind of, you know, gussy up the grammar table, which is actually just a plastic folding table with a sign on it. But um, it, it, it um, enables me to have conversations with strangers about a topic I love. And it's like, uh, it's got some drama, you know, because you never know really what's going to happen. There's some odd people in the world. So I've had some odd experiences. It's a little bit like pay- playing a very fast game of linguistic ping pong, because um, a, there are a lot of smart Alex in, in New York. So, so people try <laughs> to, st- they try to stump me. Sometimes it's like, it's like being on a quiz show. Like sometimes people, I've had at least twice people have just called out a word and told me to spell it as they're walking oh, by. Oh, what? Yeah, it's fun. But I love spelling. And you know, <laughs> I, I did in a, I did two or three years ago, I did my first adult spelling bee. I partic- I'd never done a spelling bee as a kid. So I love spelling. Um, and so that's fine with me. I mean, so far that's okay. You know, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. But that's the thing. It's like, so it's such an adventure. You don't really know what's going to happen or what mm-hmm. people will come at you with. Um, now, some people who are, who, who are purists and sophisticates about language may object to the, you know, attaching the name grammar table to such a wide spectrum of issues because really I talk about writing, I talk about foreign language study, I talk about spelling, I talk about things that are language related, but have nothing to do technically with the more specific focus of grammar. But I feel like it's a really good, um, you know, if I put if I put language table, no one would come up. It's not, it, this is something that's very focused that gives people kind of a hook into, you know, the larger universe of language topics that they want to talk about. And that's what I really hoped for. Um, and I'm delighted that's happening. I mean, I had someone complain to me about, you know, about fairy tales, I guess, a little girl that she knows had learned that uh, they, they had revised the story of the, what was it of the three little pigs, they'd added a fourth little pig, um, in her school because they felt that there needed to be a fourth little pig to negotiate with the wolf or something like that. <laughs> and she was, I, I mean, I can't really even explain it well, but she was very upset about that. And she wanted to talk about that. And I just found that funny too. It's, you know, interesting mm. just to hear what people, I, I can't get excited about fourth pig. I thought that was very innovative of the children, but she was very, you know, upset that they had messed with her, her fairy tale mythology, I guess. But it could be anything like anything. And so you can, you, and then sometimes I just get groups of people from the neighborhood. Like I, I've had at the most, I've had three different sets of people come up at the same time. And then often they start talking to each other and I just sit there and I'm very happy 
Ah, so this is this is a great thing that I I think is really so good about this is when you say you want to encourage the conversation about languages, and you've got people coming, and what happens so often you might you might have this happen as well to you is that people say something to you when you say oh, I'm into language or I'm into grammar or I'm into language learning, and they go oh how many languages do you speak Wow like and and they take themselves out of it you know it's sort of this. This feeling that language doesn't belong to them. And what I, I really like the sort of almost like the democracy of a grammar table, just setting it up. Anyone can come. You can talk about anything to do with language because it belongs to all of us. That is, you just described it better than I could have. That's exactly how I feel about it. And so the idea isn't that, I mean, if someone asks me a specific grammar question that has a very specific answer, That's, you know, an absolute black or white thing that I can tell them that's good advice for, for their lives, then I'm happy to dispense that. But I'm much more interested in the sharing aspect of it, the community aspect of it. Um, one thing that I didn't really think through or expect fully when I first thought of this is that it would be, is the community building aspect of it. So mm. I'm in a pub, I'm in a public square and, um, Yeah, there's been a lot of discussion, especially in the past couple of years since our last election, about the um, the the end of the kinds of communities in real life that tied people together. You know, everyone's on technology now; they're not communicating. And and really, the idea of of, of grammar table, I like to say it without the article because I think it makes it sound more official. You know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> No, not the grammar table, but just grammar the table. Grammar table, the brand. <laughs> but um, now I've lost my train of thought, which I do regularly. Community. So, oh, community. Thank you. Um, so what I didn't expect so much is how important that part of it would be to me personally. And I believe based on what people have said to me, to people who come up. So this is, oh, another thing that the sign says is grammar chat. You know, you can just chat. And that's really the fun part, really probably the most fun for me. Just there's not a goal. There's just there's just delight in the moment, in the words, in the play. Some people come up with the best sense of humor. But one thing about it is we're not on a computer anymore. We're actually talking to each other in real life. I've met so many people from my neighborhood that I've never encountered before who are doing all kinds of things. You know, I've learned about education nonprofits. I've learned about, uh, you know, language related play. I've learned about grammar in the medical profession and a particular writing issue challenge that some doctors have. And, um, I would never, I would never know about this, even through, even though Facebook has been amazing. I mean, that's, I know you originally through Facebook, right? Even yeah, though I was Facebook thinking back to the last time you were on the show and you talked so, so excitedly about Facebook. This is Facebook taken to the streets. This is grammar, <laughs> this is grammar on the streets. And, and actually where I live, I'm right near some, um, some hotels, some major hotels. And so I get a lot of tourist traffic too. So I'm getting the local community. I'm getting people who pass through to other parts of New York who live in other parts of the city, but I'm also getting people from all over the world. So I've had people stop by from, you know, a whole bunch of different countries on top of it, on top of the, uh, of the, you know, the natural local community flow. Um, so it is kind of like having Facebook in, in real life. Mm. 
So you're doing this for the love. Let me ask you about some practicalities. Number one, um, are you getting paid to do this? How many hours a day, a week? How much time are you putting into this? I'm, I'm not getting paid. Um, I, you know, I invested in the plastic folding table myself in the sign. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm a big spender. Um, and then, <laughs> you got to monetize that. <laughs> um, I, you know, a lot of my language. So I already, I already have a full living. I make my, you know, I make my living off of off of teaching, writing, grammar, and email etiquette. And that's, that's my, my source of income. So in my recreational hours, I feel free to do, to pursue, um, language recreation mm -hmm. that, that just happens to tickle my fancy. So I do not have funding. I do not have support. I literally just put a table on the street. Um, and I'm doing it as much as I possibly can, you know, like today, Today's election day, and I really, really, really wanted to be out there like a lot of the afternoon because there's a lot of traffic, a lot of people voting, and it just I felt I felt like the public spirit of it, you know. Yeah, when, I love uh, it. It's not terribly relevant, you know, to to the election, but it's just fun. I thought it'd be fun. I did it, I did it two days ago on the on the day of the New York City Marathon too, and that was great. Um, tons of people from all over the place. Um, but I do it, I'm doing probably about four times a week, I would guess. And mostly I'm just going to a location, you know, right by my apartment building. So I just, I literally carry the table out. Um, uh, you know, and the, I go, take it in my building elevator and I take it and I walk down the street with it and I set it down. Um, but I'm experimenting with other locations too. I went, for example, to Central Park. The other day, I have a smaller version of the table now, a more portable one that is approximately the width of me, which means I got it with this intention. I'm planning to take it on the New York City subway. Um, I haven't asked the subway system people if that's okay with them, but I think I can get away with it because it's just the width of me and a subway seat. So it's like a TV um, <laughs> dinner table, which means that it has the legs that kind of go under the seat, you know, so yes, you can pull it yeah. right onto your lap. So I, I ordered a new sign that also fits that table exactly. So I'm going to just ride. I, there are two subways on New York City that uh, in New York City that I think would be ideal for this. One is the shuttle that goes from Grand Central to Times Square, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I'm thinking of parking myself there and seeing what happens. And I'm also thinking of riding the, uh, uh, the number one subway, which has a lot of tourist traffic as well, up and down the line and just kind of sitting in my seat quietly and see what happens. I think people will talk to me though. Do you think uh, this is, I've got so many more questions. Uh, an interesting one, because you mentioned the New York subway system. And um, my first question, you can tell how German I am by my first question was like, but is she allowed to do that? <laughs> so has anyone ever come up to you and kind of asked for your grammar license? Or have you had any encounters with officials, police? Uh, oh has anyone gosh, reacted a in a license. kind of way telling you you're not allowed to do this? A grammar license would be so awesome. <laughs> well, I did actually, I, I did a little research before I did, before I set up because uh -huh. I wasn't sure what the rules were. It's very hard to get information about New York City from New York City. It's such a nightmare. So I, I started reading some stuff and it was so incomprehensible that I stopped reading it. And in general, I think the, I think the rule though is I asked a couple of people that I knew had done stuff on the street 
So in general, if you're not taking up a lot of space, I think you get away with a lot of things. But especially if you're not selling anything, I think it's just, you know, filed under freedom of speech and I can just park wherever I want. So I'm not, I can't park, you know, at the top of the stairs where people are exiting the subway, but I can park in the park in the park. I can park myself in the park um, <laughs> where I'm not blocking the flow. And, you know, I... um one day early on in my grammar table experiences, um, I, I actually was, was, I placed myself right next to a table that was staffed by police officers who were, who were out there for a particular public cause. And I asked them, is, is this okay? And they said, I don't see why not. And then the police came over to the grammar table and asked me some questions about the grammar table. So, um, it seemed like, and, and sometimes the police go by me and they just smile at me. Mm-hmm. So okay. I can see, but don't you think that the ideal, if I wanted to get more publicity for grammar table, I think the ideal scenario would be that I get arrested because I have grammar <laughs> table in a place where I'm not allowed to have grammar table. And, and, and one thing that strikes me about this, I'm a law abiding citizen. You know, I, I don't tend to, break laws. For example, once when I got a jaywalking ticket in Los Angeles, when I was in my 20s, I felt really bad. You know, I felt bad that I'd broken the law and the police had stopped me and they'd given me a ticket. So I'm not someone that goes out of my way to try to break laws. But in this case, I feel like I'm ready, I'm ready to go because I feel this is a good cause. Mm. So if I have to get arrested for the sake of grammar table, I think I'm ready. Well, not to challenge, not to challenge the New York City police. Um, what's it called? Authority? The New York City mm-hmm. police people. But um, you've heard it here first. She's ready. <laughs> She's ready, guys. <laughs> so, do you get? Have you had any negative feedback, or have people mostly just reacted with um, somewhere between bemusement, interest, and genuine uh, cries for help? <laughs> um, I think I. Well, I've had. One guy who came by a couple of times, um, who started telling me how language was, uh, used to manipulate and there were no absolutes and nothing had meaning, blah, 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 blah. And so I, I finally, I told him the second time, um, please go away. I don't want to talk to you. Something, some version of that. And so he went away and I still see him passing through. I think he, I don't know what I, I told him he was raining on my parade. And, um, that just seems to be kind of his thing raining on people's parades. So, <laughs> um, but in general, no, I mean, no, everyone's been either they they think I'm a complete weirdo. I'm sure there's some of that, but they have kept that to themselves. No one has said to me, Ellen, you're a complete weirdo. Um, I get a lot of laughs and, and sometimes, I mean, some of the reactions have been over the top. Like for example, last week, I was out there and this woman comes up to me and she doesn't say anything until she arrives at the table. And then she puts her hands on the table and leans over towards me and says, thank you. Oh, I, 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 cause she's an editor. It mm. turns out she's an editor. So ah. or, or some, <laughs> we were flat for someone, drama. <laughs> it was, yeah. And then, and then someone the other day, a guy went by and he said, you're doing God's work. And so people often have funny reactions like that. And it just, it, it, it makes me laugh. I don't mm. know. I wish I could convey, you know, it's not as, it's, it's not as, uh, it's amazing in the moment for me. I, I hope that I can somehow convey the, the, 
the joy of this. It's it's not as 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 fun in the telling. <laughs> I, but, well, but in the moment, this is my favorite though. Actually, I was going to say what stories. Give me some stories. My favorite thing. Well, first of all, my favorite category event of event is when someone just sees the grammar table, instantly walks over to it. Like they don't even change their pace. They just kind of redirect their, you know, they might be heading out of the park and they instead veer over to me. And there's no look of surprise. There's no hello. There's no nothing. They just start asking a question. So they walk up to me, <laughs> you know, does XYZ need an apostrophe as though having a grammar table on the street where you just ask your grammar questions is completely natural. There's one everywhere and they've been doing it their whole lives. I find for se- that's the one that just amuses me the most, that kind of approach. Um, I love when the kids come over. A lot of kids seem to be attra- attracted to the sign because there's, it's a little, it's, it's child friendly. I would say my drawing skills are about at the level of a sixth grader. And so <laughs> it, it probably, you know, it speaks to them. Um, but I've had a doctor came over the other, the other night who was so effusive and excited. And he wanted to, he said, so he said that he writes medical notes and, um, you know, like doctors do, they have a patient and they write up whatever they have to write up about the appointment. And he says that the program said the program he uses doesn't have a grammar check, which makes him crazy. And he said, he's, you know, he said that he, he constantly has trouble with lie and lay because he can't remember oh, yeah. the forms. And so he, sometimes he's, am I allowed to say a naughty word on your yeah. show? Uh, yeah. Okay. Because I'm going to quote him. It's not mine. It's his. So you can okay. put this on. If him. you have children, just uh, cover their ears. <laughs> cover their ears. <laughs> but he said. So he said. So sometimes I'm sitting there. I can't figure out whether it's lie, laid, lane, whatever. Um, so I just say fuck it, and I use another verb. And <laughs> and and then so I, I posted about this on Facebook, and then a friend of mine who has a doctor father said his father had the same problem when he was taking his medical notes. Or, or when he was interacting with patients. So sometimes he wouldn't be able to, his, his doctor or father wouldn't be able to decide whether it was lie or lay. And so he would instead say, please recline. And so now what I'm wondering is whether there are doctors all over, you know, all over the English speaking world who have been substituting different verbs for lie, um, or lay, whatever it is they need, um, for years because they just are confused about the forms. But this is the kind of thing that I wouldn't know about normally, you know? I just wouldn't know. And so... Um, it's, it's a good leveler as well, because you think doctors, oh my God, they're educated and super smart. And, um, you know, we struggle with the same things as the rest of us. Well, what I liked about him is that he had... he, he Yeah, I like... So uh, for me, grammar humility is a very important principle, mm. just in general, because a lot there are a lot of people who think they know everything there is to know about English and often they they're basing that on what they learned in school, the people they're surrounded by in their communities. Um, English is a global language now, so there are many different versions floating around. Um, and the United States, where I live, is a very large com- country with over 300 million people. And so they're all different dialects and habits that often people just don't know about. So if you say that's wrong mm-hmm, or that mm-hmm. doesn't exist, no, that's impossible. You can't say that. That's often really not true. And it's a parochial way to represent the language. So I like, um, I, I feel it's important for, I try to maintain grammar humility. So when people ask me questions and I don't know, 
I really don't know. I try to say I don't know because um, certainty often leads you to an incorrect answer. Um, and like this doctor in particular, for example, he I liked that he wasn't, you know, he's I'm sure he's good at his job. He seemed like a really like he must have be a really fun doctor to visit. But he didn't feel that he had to know everything. You know, I don't. And, and I like that. I think that humility often is, is a is a good sign in a whole bunch of intellectual undertakings, you know, vanity, mm-hmm. vanity can be a, can be a, a barrier to the truth. And so um, I'm trying to remain open also to the input of other people about how they use language. And um, especially if they're bringing me habits from other parts of the world that I might not know about. Mm. I think there's, there's something that we have in common, which is seemingly, which is the joy and excitement that it brings us to talk to complete strangers I, f- I feel the same way I love talking to strangers and I'm 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 sort of half inspired you know it's we're getting into winter it's it's cold and rainy here in the UK so I'm not saying I'm gonna like get a table out or anything like that but what what would you like to see in a grammar table in a different city I think something I think a table that had the same kind of function would be amazing. And there would be obvious adjustments for whatever is happening linguistically in the local culture. I mean, especially if it's a, you know, if it's a multilingual environment, I mean, New York has a lot of languages, but it's Mm -hmm. fundamentally English and and then also Spanish speaking. But um, I, I think having something like this in more places, just people, and even if it's not about grammar, Something that's focused that brings people together to talk about something that's not negative. You know, there's nothing negative about this. There's not, I'm not sending a vibe that your grammar sucks and I'm here to fix you. That's mm, not, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not the vibe of this. But I think something that, that is related to some kind of, um, subject that involves the mind, um, where people will not end up in fistfights. For example, a lot of people talk to me about the Oxford comma at this table, which is the comma before the and in the list. Mm-hmm. You know, I ordered salad, comma, spaghetti, comma, or no comma, and soda. <laughs> like the Oxford yeah, comma. Who knows? Is the comma. Who knows? There's no the answer. Oxford comma is the comma before the and, and some people put it in and some people don't. So that's mm-hmm. the thing. I probably get asked about, about that at least five times more than the second most common question. Um, and, and I find that Americans are pretty attached to their practices. You know, I, t- I talk about this in my corporate writing classes, writing and grammar classes pretty often because people ask about it there too. So some people are very attached to that comma. Some people hate it. And then they have to work together. So that creates conflict if they're co-editing a document. But even though they feign anger, you know, I, I can't stand the Oxford comma or I have to have the Oxford comma or I'll die. You know, it's not really that dramatic. And so we've had two years of, of a lot of political turbulence here and people, you know, are used to mm. arguments leading to some sort of, you know, major fight. You unfriend everyone and their relative, blah, blah. It's, and yeah, it's ugly. But this is something where even if you disagree about a point, you often just end up laughing. Mm-hmm. And that, that shows the common, for me, that shows the common humanity that we have, you know, that even, um, across differences, we can still have these interesting conversations about this, about language, which is the thing that ties us together, um, enables civilization to happen. Um, and, 
and and just learn things together. Mm-hmm. That, now I've lost my my train of thought. I got so excited. I got so excited. I lost control of my syntax. <laughs> Tell me about more people in New York because in my head, okay, New Yorkers are basically an, a mixture between people who say, "I'm walking here, get out of my way," and Sex and the City. So they're probably <laughs> eating froyo while talking about last night's lover. Wow. Yes, well, you, I pretty, might have I might have never pretty, been to New York. Yeah, but that well that you know, I that could happen. That could be <laughs> um uh let's see. One thing that uh, that I've noticed is that there are quite a few opinionated people. So there's a camp that's very opinionated and they come up sometimes and they'll they'll basically quiz me. You know, I had a guy the other day that wanted to know how I distinguish between restrictive and non-restrictive clauses and um I thought to myself, okay, that sounds like a question from someone who really doesn't need an answer. Mm. You know, he already knows the answer, so I eyed him with some suspicion and I said, Are you really looking for the answer? Or are you trying to see whether I know what I know, whether I personally know the answer? You know, so he's testing my authority. He's testing my knowledge. Um, and he said, yeah, I'm just trying to test you. Oh, so he already knew. He that knew is like the least charming thing anyone can do. Well, you know what? He wasn't that bad, actually. I prefer him to the opinionated ones who come up and give me a grammar speech without... There's not, you know, for like a grammar monologue. So I've been subjected to a few grammar monologues where um, people just give me a speech about a topic and never, there's no interaction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, um, or whether they're, or, or they're just very maybe dismissive in the sense they're like, so you think you can actually p- teach people grammar in the city? You know, like there's no, so I guess that's an answer to your earlier question. Some, you know, every once in a while there's someone who's like that. What's mm-hmm. the point? You know, you're not going to teach anyone grammar. Um, but I don't, I don't let them, you know, they're not going to interfere with my optimism. So I ignore that. <laughs> but I get couples. I love when I get couples and they want to resolve a grammar question. Oh, between them. Yes. It's so cute. It cracks me up. So I got this couple the other early on. It was actually early on. So maybe the beginning of October. Early on in grammar table history, the history of grammar table is a rather short history, but early on in October, this um, a mom, a dad, and their kid came by, a little kid, and and the, the husband had apparently texted the wife something, it, it read, uh, texted something to her when they weren't standing together, obviously, they weren't in the same place. He had texted her something like, another night on the town for the Smiths. Um, their name wasn't actually the Smiths. It was something else. But he wrote, another night out on the town for the Smiths, S-M-I-T-H apostrophe S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she wrote back to her husband, I don't think that's right. And so they hadn't been able to come to an agreement about it. Well, that's you know, difficult, she- isn't it? Well, I love this stuff. I love apostrophe stuff with names because um, uh, Americans, in part- I don't know how it is in other English-speaking countries, but Americans have a lot of trouble with the formation of plurals of names, possessives of, of names. And I consider that to be kind of a specialty of mine. For some reason, I really enjoy it a lot. Um, 
So it was just a plural of her name. It's just the object of a preposition for the Smiths, more than mm-hmm. one Smith. So there should be no apostrophe. So I did resolve it in favor of the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy, and, but it, it was cute. They thought they obviously, the guy had absolutely no grammar or vanity. You know, he doesn't, he didn't feel he knew what he was talking about. The wife is sort of happy that she was right. But she didn't gloat. She didn't hold it over him. And mm-hmm. so they just walked, they walked away happy. And that <laughs> was really, that was really fun. Also, sometimes people will walk up to me and just ask me for things that have nothing to do, um, with, um, nothing to do with grammar. Like, where's the Natural History Museum? So I love being like the local direction giver in the, in, in the neighborhood. And then I have kids come up with their parents. Sometimes the parents drag them. Sometimes the kids drag the parents. And then they, I often ask them what languages they're studying in school. And it's been all over the board. Like I've had people who um, are studying Hebrew, Japanese, Chinese, Spanish, French. And they, sometimes the kids will, you know, I've had kids sing me songs in the language they're studying because they're kind of too shy to have a conversation, but the parent will encourage them and they'll sing me a song and they ask them questions about what they're learning and then they'll kind of get warmed up and then they'll start telling me all the words they know in the foreign language. A lot of kids around here do Saturday schools for whatever the language is of their parents. I've been learning, um, at least the ones that stop by the table. So, uh, you know, if the parent is a native Japanese speaker. They might be in Saturday school for Japanese or Chinese. I think there may have even been one who was doing a Hungarian. I'm not sure. But but that's cool too to see the multilingualism of families preserved here. I like that a lot. Yeah. Gosh, you just you're getting such insights into people's lives. And there's there's something um yeah, just <laughs> love the little kids like I've got two little nephews who uh, their mom is Polish and I know they know more Polish than I let on but like you have to asking them to sing songs is the way to get the Polish out of them when oh really yeah That's so interesting. yeah it just have, gets them out of their mouse hole a little bit I did have an incident um my first week where one little boy tried to choke another little boy at the grammar table oh that was that was alarming yeah well so so I found this amusing. Um, they were, they were my early child customers. They came up to me, um, with no adult in sight. One was about five and one was about four. And they were clear, clearly brothers, although they didn't identify themselves that way. And so the older of the two little boys said to me, what's a gerund? Which mm. is not, you know, the, the, the most common question to get from a five year old unless they've just heard the term. So I was kind of thinking there might be an adult involved somewhere behind the story, but I didn't see any parent. So it's just these two little boys standing there looking at me. So I explained in as basic term as I could what a gerund is. And I'm just going to explain it now in case someone's listening who doesn't know gerund, because it's also used, the term is used differently across different languages I've noticed. But but in English, it's used very specifically to you to mean the ing form used as a noun. So, so if uh, I don't need to explain anything to you, but this is just for general information, because the story is not funny if you don't know the gerund term. So, um, so it would be like, I like running, running is a gerund, it's acting as a thing or running is fun, running is a gerund there because it's, you know, it's a, it's acting as a noun, the ing form. So anyway, um, I tried to explain the gerund in, in simple terms. And then I looked at them. And I said, are you two brothers? Uh, no, I said, are you two related to each other? And the older boy said, 
were brothers at the same time that the little boy, the four-year-old said, no. <laughs> and so I said to them, you don't seem to be in agreement on this point. And then the older boy said, that's because he doesn't understand the question. And then he looked at his little brother. <laughs> he looked, and then he looked at his little brother um, with an annoyed face and he, well, it was not annoyed, but he, t- he takes his hands and he puts them about around his brother's neck and he starts choking him. Oh. So he's choking, the five-year-old is choking the four-year-old in front of my table. And all of a sudden I see this man pop up from across the park and come running, you know, to prevent this from happening. And so I was a little bit alarmed. I wasn't really quite sure what to do. But I said, as I saw the father approaching, I said, there will be no choking of your little, uh, of your brother at the grammar table. And, oh no, I said, no choking of your brother at the grammar table. And the father arrived at that moment. And then I, I said, and stopped it. So the choking was over. And I said, now that was a gerund. <laughs> and the dad, did they get it? the dad, well, I'm sure they did, but the dad did the dad who had clearly put them up to asking that question. <laughs> Smart Alec dad. But anyway, I just found it, it was so cute. I don't know. I mean, it was a little scary, but I, I think, you know, I wasn't too worried for his, for his well-being, but I didn't, I just, I didn't want to look like I was in the business of encouraging violence between small children. You know, I, I really, I was like, should I jump up and separate them? I was glad the dad came right away. I'm like, yeah, goodness. well, you said people don't get into fights over grammar like that, but here we go. I, well, I think it was more about the family relationship. True, See? true. The, you know, that was the question that, that preceded it. But people are also really funny, you know, like someone suggested, a, I think this was at grammar table. Um, someone suggested that there could be a semicolonoscopy procedure for people <laughs> who ever use semicolons. Oh my God, that's so good. I love it. I mean, I now use it regularly. So it's just, it's kind of changed my life. <laughs> this is so good. And I love this, you know, we've talked about so much. So to bring it, I got to bring it together somehow. But really, I love that you're encouraging conversation about language. I love this idea of of bringing language to the community. Like it just, you know, like it belongs to everyone. It belongs to everyone. Don't matter if you know what an Oxford comma is. Don't matter if you know what a, a, a gerund is. It, it doesn't matter. You still have the right to talk about language. And I think that ownership to me, I see that lacking so often when people are worried about learning a foreign language. And if they felt more ownership and control over their own, I think there would be more confidence all, all around. So I'm just absolutely yeah. love that. I love that you you're building community and you're not like you know you're talking to strangers and particularly in the light of the women in language camp. I just um, you know we, we we basically you remember women in language because you spoke at women in language, and <laughs> <laughs> I'll just assume you remember that. I do remember in that. In a haze, well. it was a great experience. And we ran a a much much smaller event, sort of like the I don't know the directors event. <laughs> So the three organizers, because we don't present at the big conference, we decided to run a one day, little one, just to kick off the season, where the three of us present. And we talked about the theme of connecting with other people. And my topic in particular was connecting offline and where to find people and how to, you know, like maybe either how to host your own meetup or how to find a meetup of fellow grammarians, language lovers, foreign language lovers and stuff. But I never considered, as I was giving my talk, the option, so you, you're making this a perfect show, of uh, of opening up your own grammar table or something like that. So do you do you feel like you need an awful lot of confidence or would you ever advise somebody else to 
what what is the least intimidating way that we can pull together a grammar table? Sorry, I asked seven questions in one in one there. So you just have to do them all. <laughs> I think what I oh gosh, you know, it I think it it could be a little stressful if you don't feel confident about your knowledge. I think you have to have a realistic I think you you can angle it so that it could be more of a discussion if you feel if someone felt that they were missing knowledge that they needed in an area it mm -hmm. could be it could be promoted more as a discussion thing um but um one thing that's really important above all is to um not be afraid to speak to people like you what struck me earlier that you said was that you're not that you're comfortable talking to people yeah i love that's, it that's that a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking to people and you will end up if you do this unless you're um unless you're uh really in a very uh sane part of the world i don't know you're going to end up with some weird stuff happening i've had some weird people come up to me and so you also have to be comfortable with that and so that's something just to ask yourself before you do it. But I think this idea in general, I mean, I've actually had people tell me about other tables they've seen where someone will just park a table and it's just a table offering advice, like generally, which I find <laughs> hilarious. You know, by anything. Advice. A friend of mine did, apparently a friend of mine did this tw tw some 25, more than 25 years ago. She and a couple of friend, uh, friends of hers just set up a table and they started offering advice to people. And, and, you know, even there, mm. people will come up and talk to it's them. It's like the people in town that give out free hugs sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I don't really want to do that. No. No, I don't. Why, <laughs> why know, hug actually, when you can d discuss I'm a gerund? I'm a hugger, but I don't want to be hugging random people going by. That's something I'm going to stay away from. So um, I think it's useful. One thing that here's a suggestion that I think would help is to bring reference material. So the other day, I had a group of teenagers came by. This has happened surprisingly often that people have come by have been groups of teenagers, which charms me to pieces. Um, and someone wanted to talk about the difference between healthy and healthful. Mm. You know, a, a lot of people are taught that there's a difference, even though it's not really rec you know observed that much in daily life. So I was taught about this at some point, but I actually don't pay attention, at least not in casual speech. Maybe in writing I pay, I, I observe a distinction between these two terms. I had my large, um, um, I had a large usage guide with me. And so I went to age and instantly, it, it's like the book fell open to the entry mm. on healthy versus healthful. And so I was able to supplement my knowledge with the entry, which I read to them. It was short. It was funny. Um, and, and I think for me, that's actually an important part of the table modeling the kind of behavior that I think is really helpful to people looking things up in authoritative sources, respecting books, not just going to Google and seeing what 51% of the answers say versus 49 and basing your decision on that. Oh, yeah. So, so you know, the difference between me and a lot of my friends is that when my friends uh, um, have questions, they ask me, which I love, and I want people to keep doing that. But when I have questions, I go look things up in about seven different usage guides, you know, so that that habit, I think, if you really care about advancing your language, that's the the kind of thing that I'm modeling, just ongoing curiosity, ongoing, um, uh, ongoing use of use of books and materials that are created by people who really have deep knowledge of this kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I think that part is fun, too. I mean, I know it sounds kind of nerdy, but I actually I usually take about 
between four and six books with me and pile them on the grammar table, including I usually I try to take a book, at least one book about another language, you know, to sort of support the all languages beautiful theme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. All languages beautiful. I have to write that down. (laughs) That's going on. That's going on the next sign. Also, if you do it, if you do it, have big lettering so people can see it. Oh, I also sometimes bring out a book about British versus Australian versus American English because uh, there are actually a lot of people. I mean, there are a lot of people who come by mm-hmm. who speak other varieties of English. And so it's good. That's something, especially Australian English. I don't have very much exposure to that. So, and I've just ordered a book on Canadian usage. Canadian usage of English and f- yes. and French also? Just no, it's a Canadian English usage guide. Oh, but here's another idea. You know, people could do a version of this where they just set up a French table or a German table or a whatever table. Like, a, a, even if they don't want to comment on multiple languages, you could have a focus, you know, of a language that you're expert in teaching and just have like something. It has to be something that enough pastors by will care about because you don't want to sit there for two hours and have one question. I mean, that's, you know, that's really something that I've, I've studied over here. Like I park myself in the traffic and I try to make it as relevant to as many people as I can, but I could imagine something like that too. Like if there's a country with two languages and people are, are working on the second a lot and oh someone my God, has expertise yeah. on it, they could just put a big sign for, you know, whatever questions, language it's, questions with the language name there. And I think that would work. If there was a Welsh tape, I mean, I know I don't live in oh Wales, God, but if I lived so in Wales cool. and I was a Welsh learner where so many people learn where, oh my God. That's, see, that's the kind of context that I think the sounds dream. really cool. The yeah. actual dream is, is, yeah. is materializing in front of my eyes right now. <laughs> but the more, I think the more we talk to people in person as a supplement to the wonderful connections that mm-hmm. technology enables, the better. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Well, Ellen, we've run out. I know you said you, you, you're able to talk about Grammar Table for 78 hours, and I would love to do a 78-hour episode, but I don't think anybody would want to listen to it. So <laughs> That's so sad. All right. Well, I'll just keep, I'll, maybe I'll go out and do Grammar Table right now because it's not raining that hard. That's right. And it's election day. So um, you could talk about, you could like think about specific election related puns and words. I could. And do like little handouts. Very, you know what though? As an American punning, for me, punning is not a strength. I look to um, English people for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I'm, I, this is one of my biggest weaknesses in my in my first foreign language, which is English, and it's probably always going to be English. Is I'm not that good of a punner, or I'm not I'm not as quick. Some people are just here. There's a real, you know, like people will have conversations where they just really work it, and it's just remarkable. And I can just about manage it in writing when people don't see how hard I'm thinking. But I can't I can't pull it off in person. Not quite I yet. Just, So no, I can't, decided, I can't do you a good pun either. Well, I've decided that everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and I am going to leave the punning to the punsters and I'll work on other stuff. That's right. Grammar table, not pun table. You wait right. an, until like, you'll have like a little rival and it's going to be an old lady next to you. So they'll be like, <laughs> vocabulary table, vocabulary vestibule. Oh my God. Come wait, to me. Wait. No, what would be so funny is if there were a rival grammar table. Can you imagine if someone <laughs> said, okay, I could do that better. So they set up a rival grammar table and then people could go back and forth. It could be like, it could be like 
grammar battle. Oh my god, what do you think about the Oxford comma? What do you think about the Oxford comma? Let's discuss. <laughs> oh. I love it. I love it. Ellen, so I wish you so much luck with Grammar Table. And I'm going to be s closely observing via Facebook you, the development of it all. And I hope you send me lots of pictures that I can put in the show notes so people can actually see you out there. Whereabouts are you usually, if any listeners are in New York and want to, go, want to come by? I'm usually in Verdi Square, which is the 72nd Street and Broadway subway entrance slash exit. Um, but I am also preparing to try more new locations like on the subway. And if I can ever figure out a regular schedule, which is honestly a little bit unlikely, I think this is probably mostly going to be a spur of the moment thing where I pop up, you know, in random places at unexpected times. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, Grammar I'll assassin. <laughs> I, I do have a, I have a website, grammartable.com. If I ever do get a schedule, I'll post it there, but it's probably not practical with the rest of my schedule to plan in that way. So, um, but yes. Okay. So, so spontaneous look for, look grammar tables. Subway. Look for me on your subway car. It Excellent. Could happen. Yes. If you are a listener in New York, I don't, I, I can't even think of any listeners in New York. If you do happen to listen to The Fluent Show and you live in New York, please let me know and please, co please go looking for Ellen and tell her that we sent you and that you heard her, you heard her on the show. That would be, so, oh my God, that would make me so happy. I can't tell you how happy, happy that would make. Yeah, it would make us both extremely happy. And equally, if you are from New York and you happen to visit my town, Canterbury, then you can also come by and maybe you'll see me in town. Um, either with a grammar table or with like a big EU flag. That's some, something I sometimes do. <laughs> okay. Well, Fantastic. Thank you so much for letting me talk about um, one of my favorite activities ever in my entire life. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's great to be on. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. And this is a real, it's such an encouragement for us to get off the screens and kind of go out into Verdi Square. So, Alan, usually <laughs> I say goodbye in the manner of this TV show that you've probably not seen called University Challenge, which is me saying goodbye. And then you get to say goodbye and you can say it in any language you wish. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Alan. Hasta la próxima. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.